praying and getting ready for this morning, I pulled out my guitar and I was singing that song, um, He Loves Us. And I so felt, the, I mean, I kept singing it and singing it because I so felt the heart of Jesus for us and his love for us. I mean, he loves us individually, but I felt his love for us corporately so strong and I was hoping oh I hope Cornell does that in the morning I hope Cor so he heard from God y'all <laughs> you and you hard time but but you know what but but the, the truth is you know he had like Cornell and I he Cornell about preached my word a lot of my word this morning but um this morning when I was even praying you know there's two times in the scriptures when in the gospels where Jesus is amazed it says it twice and he's amazed by faith He's amazed by the um, centurion's faith, whose daughter is sick, whose 12-year-old daughter is sick, and he's, and he, and he's asked him to come into his house, and, and, and the centurion comes and says, you don't really have to come to my house because I understand authority. I, too, am under authority, and I have men under authority. All you have to do is say the word. And Jesus was amazed at his faith. And I'm, I, I'm sorry to say I'm not quite... 100% sure where the second amazement was, but I think it was the woman who wasn't even a Jew, her daughter, was that it? It was her daughter. Um, she came to Jesus asking for healing for her daughter, and he said, I can't give the, the children's bread to the dogs, referring to the Gentiles. And she said, well, even dogs can lick the crumbs, and he was amazed at her faith. Well, this morning when I was praying, I've never felt this before, y'all. I felt the amazement of Jesus over us and over you that in this past year through everything we've gone through and this transition <laughs> amazement at your faith at your steadfastness at your confidence in him in him and i just felt like he said you're being honored he was um, i've never felt that he's amazed y'all amazed at everything we've gone through it hadn't looked like we thought it was going to look like hadn't gone the direction we thought it was going to go and and um you know i was meditating a lot this week because the lord really dropped something in me about john the baptist and john the baptist was in jail he was in prison and now this is the same john the baptist that had been out in the wilderness prophesying about the coming of the Messiah, had seen Jesus, had seen a dove come on Jesus, had baptized him in the Jordan, brought him up out of the river, saw, heard the voice of God saying, this is my beloved, had told everybody, he's the one, he's the one, he's the one, he's the one. Well, now he's in jail. And he sends his disciples and said, ask him, is he really the one? Because you can only imagine in his mind what would happen when the one came what it was going to look like. Israel was going to be a kingdom. We were going to be set free from our enemies. And now he's in jail. It doesn't look anything like he thought it was going to look. And I can only imagine, you all know what it's like when you get in, and he was a man like you and I. All these people in Scripture struggle the same way we struggle. So you can only imagine him sitting in, the, in prison thinking, did I miss it? Did I blow it? Was I wrong? Ask him. Is he the one? I told thousands of people, crowds flocked to me. Is he really the one? And Jesus said, you tell John this. May not look what he thought it should look like. It's not ending the way he thought it would end. But you tell John this. The blind see, the dead are raised, the sick are healed. You tell him that. 
you tell him that. And so the, his disciples left to go tell John. And it's like Jesus was saying, look at the right things. Look at the right things. Don't look at the pressure. Don't look at the hardship. Look at the right things, like what Cornell was saying. And so he turns to his, he turns to his, um, his, his followers as, as John's disciples are headed back to him to give him that report. No, John, you didn't blow it. You were right. You were right. Here, I need to put that up closer. You were right. And as they head back, he turns around, looks at his followers, and says, Who did you go out in the wilderness to see because they've all just heard this what just happened who did you go out in the wilderness to see did you go out to see a reed that was shaking well that's talking about when the jordan river where john was baptizing when it would it would overflow its banks a lot and when it did these real skinny weak feeble reeds multitudes of them grow really quickly but they were feeble and weak and would just flop around and didn't last very long so it was a sign of weakness and instability. And he said, did you go see it, look for it? Because, you know, he sounded a little unstable just then, didn't he? Could, that would be easy for people to think that. Did you go look for a, somebody flopping back and forth like that? Or did you go look for somebody with soft raiment or soft clothing? And that word is really a word for, like, delicate and effeminate clothing that usually people wore in palaces, some wore in palaces, and it was a sign of weakness. You know, it's safe in the palace. It's easy in the palace. Nothing hard in the palace. He said, is that what you went to see? And when I read that, I thought, dear Lord, no. I mean, if anybody was a man's man, John was a man's man. I mean, he wore camel's hair, and he ate, you know, caught, cr uh, yes, crocus and ate them, you know. And so, and, and, and he told everybody to repent, and he confronted the Pharisees, the Pharisees. And, you know, he, the Pharisees had their own guard. You know, they had the small army. He that he could have come, they could have come with their army, but he was unafraid and he confronted them. He says, no, he said, you went to see, the reason you flocked out there, though, was you went to see a prophet. He said, you went to hear a prophet. You went to hear somebody that was speaking for God because you wanted to hear God. You wanted to hear God. And he was more, and he says, yeah, he was a prophet, but he was much more than a prophet he was the one who said prepare the way for the one that's coming and then he said this but you that are least in the kingdom of God are greater than John the Baptist because you have God in you you have God in you and I felt like the Lord was saying who are you going to hear who are you going to see just like what Cornell is saying who are you listening for what are you looking for who is your shepherd who are you following what voice are you looking for voice of the shepherd the voice of the shepherd and in that same in that same passage jesus says this and to me explains it all about john's warfare the kingdom of god suffers violence and the violent take it by force not a smooth ride folks is what he's saying not what you thought it would be the kingdom of god suffers violence and the violent Take it by force. Or the better translation for that is the forceful are advancing. Forcefully advancing is really what that word means. Forcefully advancing. <laughs> and do you know how you forceful advance in the kingdom? By faith. You get up and you walk and you live 
every day by faith, obeying what Jesus tells you to do. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter whether it looks like it's working or not, you obey Jesus every day, and you are forcefully advancing his kingdom. And that's why I believe he's amazed at this faith of getting up every day and living by faith and walking it out by faith and keeping our eyes on the shepherd, keeping our eyes on the shepherd. You know, I spent more time this week um, praying and, and did a lot of fasting and seeking the Lord than I have, and I don't know when. It was really good because we're going through a change. And every time we go th- I go through a big change in my personal life, I do this because I need to see Jesus in a new way. There are new things happening Something different I've never walked through, never gone through. This is different. I've got lots and lots of ministry and church experiences, but this is different. Everyone is different, and I have to seek him in a new way. You know, Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 6, the year King Uzziah died. Now, King Uzziah was king of Israel, and Isaiah was the prophet of Israel at the time and a voice for God to King Uzziah and the nation. And he had a relationship with King Uzziah. And so when King Uzziah died, that's huge for the whole nation of Israel. Every time a king died, that's a transition. Because the next king comes along and brings in his guys and his, who he wants to lead the armies. And, you know, that's why some of them were good. And then the next king came up and he was bad. And then the next king came up and he was good. So this is huge for Isaiah. His king has died. And he says, I, when King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. When we go through transition, Jesus wants to show himself in a new way. And reveal himself in a new way, in a fresh new way, which is what I was pressing in for this week, to see Jesus in a fresh new way. Because the thing about the kingdom of God, Jesus says, the kingdom of God, it's advancing, always advancing. Well, what ha- And that looks like growing, it's, and it does. With the increase, it says in the scriptures, the increase of the kingdom will be no end. It's always growing, always changing, okay? Tina and Walt have... A hundred little kids living in their house. <laughs> okay, maybe not a hundred. But they are growing. And what happens as they grow, they change. They develop. So the kingdom of God is always developing. It's always growing. So it's always changing. And so if we're going to remain in that state of new wineskin, that Jesus can pour in the new wine and the new Holy Spirit, we have to be open to that awful word that none of us like, change. Which we are, obviously. We're here. You obviously are. You're in the house. But just, just I felt like Jesus just wanted to give this word that we are on track, y'all. We are on track. We are on track. We are on track. We didn't miss a beat. We didn't miss a beat. I'm not speaking corporately necessarily as each one of us as we're hearing from the Lord. He's got this. He's not surprised. He's not caught off guard. Does that make sense? Is this making sense? We are, we are on track. If things don't look easy, think, you know, we don't. Un- but the main thing is, is this, and this is what I really want to say, and, and I'm going to do this quickly because we want to have our family meeting. But I really felt like all week I kept hearing that thing about um, the shepherd. And I felt like this. I felt like he w- wanted to remind us. This is all going to be mainly kind of elementary, but more of a reminder. I felt like this. I felt, first of all, that we needed to remember, like what Cornell was saying, that other realm. 
that other realm. You know the Hebrew word for vision? I just found this out this week. The Hebrew word for vision literally means to split or to divide. So you're splitting and you divide this natural realm from the spiritual realm, the kingdom realm. And God wants to give us vision. He wants to give us eyes to see and vision to what's going on in his, in his realm. So anyway, I felt this. I felt like the Lord wanted to, first of all, remind us that we are a three-part people. People, We are made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. It says in Genesis 2, 7, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, there's our flesh, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, there's the spirit, and man became a living soul. There's the soul. And, of course, we know when he's told Adam and Eve, don't eat the fruit of the tree, because if you eat the fruit of the tree, in that day you will die. Well, they ate the fruit of the tree. They didn't die physically. They didn't die in their mind and their will and their emotions, but their spirits were separated from the source of life, and they became spiritually dead. At that moment, up to this point, they had been primarily spirit beings, led by their spirits but when that spirit died the life left them that that moment they converted to being primarily soul led mind will and emotions and now when we get born again the very first thing that you know the very first time jesus brings this whole spirit realm and begins to talk about it when he comes to the earth we see it in john chapter 3 when a man named nicodemus comes to him and he says to nicodemus for the first time he brings up this whole spirit thing he says a man unless a man is born again he shall not see the kingdom of god and nicodemus is thinking natural what do you mean born again can i get into my mom's womb again and Jesus said, no, you have to be born of the spirit. And he brings this back into this new concept. He says, your spirit has to become alive unto God so that you can spirit can become alive, connect it with God again, and your spirit can begin to become the predominant thing that we are led by and that we follow. And that's our whole lifelong journey as a believer is learning this process of letting our souls not be dominated any longer but let our spirit man dominate and our souls come under the submission of the spirit that's like i could preach 10 hours on that but i don't have 10 hours but let me just say this because jesus says later he says you know the spirit's like the wind it blows wherever you want and you can't see it but you can feel the effects of it you can see the tr the, the leaves blowing and all of this happening and he says so it that's the way it is with those born in the spirit and he says to nicodemus if you don't understand things of the spirit when i talk to you about natural things to compare it to the spiritual realm like the wind if you don't understand that, how are you going to understand the things of the spirit that have no natural explanation? There are lots of things that have no natural explanation. There are lots of things we don't understand. There are lots of things we can't explain, and that's okay. Because he gave us a guide. He gave us a way to be led by the spirit that even when our minds don't understand, it's called trust in the Lord with all of your hearts and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. It's also called, let me find that scripture. Let me just throw this out. 1 Corinthians six seventeen. He who joined with the Lord becomes one spirit with him. 
like the one in Philippians. I know I have it written in here someplace. I'm sorry, but the one in Philippians that talks about the peace that passes understanding shall keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I'm sorry, what? 416, the peace that passes understanding. There is a peace that supersedes our understanding. That's how the shepherd leads us. Part of Psalms 23, it says this, the shepherd, the the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads us beside still waters. I read somewhere this week that sheep will not drink from a tumultuous river. They're too skittish. They will only drink from still waters and calm waters. (laughs) Jesus will lead you to calm waters to steal waters to drink from him. It's found in that place in the spirit that's beyond understanding. When your emotions want to cry out, when your mind wants to go crazy, how many many of your minds go crazy? Especially women. I mean, let's just face it. It's like our minds, if you could see inside our minds, it's like (laughs) we got 10 tracks going, don't we? 10 different trains going down there. But anyway, the, the, the peace that passes understanding. And when you have peace, you don't need to have an answer. You don't need to give an explanation. You know what I'm saying? If people would go, what about this, 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 and this? It's okay to say, I don't know. (laughs) Be free to say, I don't know. Be free to say, I don't know. But the only time you're going to have peace with people is you first have to have peace with God and peace with yourself. You need to have peace with God and peace with yourself. And then you can be peace carriers then you can be peace carriers. And so I really feel like what, what Cornell was saying about the Lord being our shepherd, that he wants to bring us to these peaceful waters. I know he does. Wants to give us peace with ourselves, peace with him. You know, there was a crowd that, in John chapter 6, there was a crowd that followed Jesus, and um, they followed him because he fed them. You know, there's like 5,000, and he fed them. And so then... The day came to an end, and he sent his apostles in a boat over to the other side. There's just one boat, and he sent them on ahead. And then um, that's the night he goes walking on the water. When, he's comes, when he comes walking on the water, and, and Peter sees him and asks ask him to come out, all of that happens that night, and he gets in the boat, and they go to the other side. Well, the next day, the crowd gets up, and they're looking for Jesus. And they knew there was only one boat. And how do you get to the other side? So they get in these boats, and they go over to the other side, and, they're fo- and there's thousands of them. Well, on that side of the lake, and yesterday, Jesus fed them. But now on this, and see, they think they have found a free meal ticket. That's what they, that why they're following them. They go, wow, we'll eat every day for free. <laughs> we can quit our jobs, you know, hang out with Jesus. So they follow him there. But Jesus, at that moment, does not begin to promise them riches. He doesn't promise them prosperity. He doesn't promise them an easy life. He begins to talk about the commitment it takes to follow him. He said, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Honestly, that's going to sound kind of gross, isn't it? But he says this. They get all offended, which I understand that. And he says, does this offend you? The spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the words I have spoken to you are spirit and life 
and they have to be heard by the Spirit. And so the multitudes left. But there were some that heard the words differently than the others. He had 12 that stayed. And he looked at them and he said, are you guys going to go? And Peter said, where are you going to go? He said, your words have life in them. We can hear life in your words. You may not understand it. may gross us out in our understanding too. But there's something about your words that nobody else has. And as sheep being led by the Spirit, that's what you listen for. You listen for words of life. You listen for words of life, whether it's in your prayer closet and it's just Jesus, or if you're speaking to one another or you're talking to somebody or you're counseling somebody or they're counseling you. If you want to be, be people of the Spirit, you want to be led by still waters, you listen for words of life. And you can tell in your hearts. Y'all know what that feels like when somebody says something and it just, bam, something happens. You get it. You get it. He says, my words are spirit and life. You listen for words of life because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Galatians 5.23 says, since we are living by the spirit, let us follow the spirit's leading in every way. Oh, another thing, back to John 26, I want to say this real quick. Sometimes, maybe even oftentimes, the spirit of life, the spirit that Jesus spoke, offended the multitudes. Sometimes it's hit the spirit words are offensive to the soul and to the flesh. We don't like it. How many times Jesus has told us something and we didn't like that? <laughs> Hello? We need to be able to hear Jesus say something we don't like, y'all. You do have to learn how to do that. You do have to learn how to walk that way. Because we all have soul and we all have flesh. And sometimes he's going to say something that our souls or our flesh don't like. They're offensive to the soul and the flesh. But I promise you, if you obey that and if you follow that, you will find your peace and your flesh and your soul will line up. They will line up. We've got to be predominantly led by the Spirit. By the Spirit. And you know, you can tell when you are of the Spirit, and it's real easy. We all know Galatians 5. We can tell when our reasonings, when our, when our thinking is goofy, or, and I don't mean goofy, it's not, it's not goofy. You'll never out-reason your flesh. You'll never out-reason the devil. You'll never out-reason the world. If you try to take it on with reasonings, we will lose every time. Right? So you have to be led by peace. You have to be okay with I don't know. And you can tell when you're being led by the Spirit. I mean, it's all very clear in, in Galatians chapter 5 about the fruit of the Spirit. When you've got um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. James 3.17 says, Wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle, and at all times, and willing to yield to others. It's peaceable. The peace of God, the, the wisdom of God is peaceable. Peaceable. And so I'm just, I'm just going to uh, close with this one last scripture before we move on with the family meeting. Colossians chapter 3 says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That word rule means arbitrate. It means settle a judgment. Make a decision for and it also means umpire. 
And years and years ago, I sat under a great pastor, John Osteen, Joel Goldstein's father. I, I sat under John Osteen, and he was a preacher's preacher. And he preached this message about the peace of God that, that has, that this, this message that he preached on this scripture was pivotal to my life and learning how to make decisions. I'm going to tell you what he said. I can't do near the justice he does said, but he said this. He talked about the peace of God being an umpire. And now, y'all, I don't know how many of y'all baseball fans, Atlanta fans, Braves fans, I don't know. But everybody knows to some degree the game of baseball. But the game of baseball, you know, you have a batter that comes out there, and he swings, the pitcher pitches the ball, he swings, and he hits the ball, and, and, and as he's hitting the ball and he's running to first base, the opposing team gets the ball and throws it to first base, and it's close. It's real close. He's running, the ball's coming, the crowd's up, and they, you know, screaming it's bottom of the ninth you know just imagine tied you know whatever and whatever it's world series last game i mean just think i mean that's how it feels sometimes in our lives doesn't it we get into situations where we that's the tension that's the that it feels like we need to hear from god it's like and i understand that i'm not belittling that you know our whole life just depends on this this decision this right now and many times it is very pivotal so they're throwing it and you've got this umpire down there and he's watching and all he's doing not looking at the runner and he's not looking at the ball he's looking at that plate his eye is focused on that plate so he can see what comes first the runner's foot or the ball in the pitcher's hand he's just focused right there right there to catch that and so that play happens and that the, the, the guy throws the ball and the first play baseman is there and he's ready to catch the ball and the runner's running and as they get right there and he's and he runs to first place the opposing team might be crying he's out the whole stands might be cry, crying out he's out everybody around and all the noise may be saying out but there's one man looking at the plate that can see it, the details of it. And he says, no, he's safe. He's safe. And that's what peace will do for you and me and each one of us. It keeps us safe. The peace of God is an umpire in our hearts to keep us in a safe, 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 safe place keeps us safe now let me warn against that warn you about this and i've seen this many many times in my years as a believer there is a false peace when you are in turmoil and you are in war and you make a decision to leave get out of it do this and all of a sudden whew, i feel better because in your emotional realm all of that is settled now let me just encourage you in this Jesus doesn't lead through tumult. He leads by peace. He leads by peace. Now, you may or may not need to get out of that situation. You need to, may or may not need to make that change. But you don't do it from a place of anxiety or pressure. You find peace. You find peace. The shepherd leads us by peaceful waters. Jesus was asleep in the storm. Down here you find peace. Then you're safe to make that decision that Jesus is telling you to make. I've told many people often you don't make a big lifelong decision in the middle of a war. You find peace. You find peace 
And that may keep you in pressure for a little while longer. That may keep you out of your comfort zone. That may keep you uncomfortable. But it's okay. You find that peace because your soul will line up. Your emotions will line up. You stay there. And God will make all of this stuff work out for your good. But that's the challenge. I've done it. I know that. That's the challenge. So easy. It'd be so easy. You know, you don't, I'm just going to get very personal here. I cannot tell you the number of times I've never had the Lord speak to me since I've lived here in Tifton. Um, speak to me the same thing over and over as many times as he's spoken this to me over and over. And the last time I heard it was the day after I got back from Africa before I had any idea any of this was going to happen. The thing he keeps telling me is don't run from a fight. I cannot tell you the number of times he's told me that. And before I even had any idea, <laughs> don't run from a fight. Don't run from a fight. We're supposed to be warriors. We're supposed to be in the army of God. The kingdom of God suffers violence. It does get shaky. It does get rocky. But no devil from hell is ever going to run me out from where I'm supposed to be or do what I'm supposed to be doing. Not just for my own sake, but for his sake, mainly for his sake. I've, I have paid, and all of you too in this room can say the same thing, I have paid too high of a price. I've given up too much to follow Jesus that I'm not going to throw it all away on a moment's discomfort or a tough season. I've paid, and many of you in this room say the same thing, I've paid too much, been too far down this road to throw it all away now on a season, a moment of discomfort. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know where I'm going, but I know I'm good. Yeah, I see him. I see the Lord sitting. And this is what Isaiah said. On the year he died, I saw the Lord. And he was sitting on a throne. He was high and lifted up. That's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. That's your Jesus. That's your Jesus. That's who you're serving. That's who your shepherd is. That's who's leading you. That's who's protecting you. That's who's keeping you safe. He is seated on a throne. He is high and lifted up. And his train fills the temple. We don't serve a wimp, y'all. We don't serve a wimp. No, 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 no. We don't serve a wimp. He is high and lifted up. He is high and lifted up. He is high and lifted up. He is high, and we can trust him. And he knows how many hairs we have on our head. Some more, less than others, some more than others. He knows how many hairs we have on our head. He knows every bird that falls from the sky. If he doesn't care for them, how much more does he care for you and I, sons of God, that he's given his glory to carry on this earth. We've been given his glory to carry on this earth. And first Corinthians, second, first off, I didn't look this one up. It just came to me. talks about how this momentary light affliction produces an eternal weight of glory. Glory is that the weight of God that is needed in the world today. Our family members need us to stay faithful to Jesus. I remember when I first got saved, that was my big... And it still is, but especially when I first got saved, when I realized, when I first walked from darkness into light and realizing my whole family is, is, is unsaved, and they're going to go to hell. I mean, I didn't know I was going to go to hell until I got saved. And then when the realization hits me, I thought, well, I don't want my family to go to hell. 
and the burden I had for them and the prayers I had for them. And, you know, especially as a young believer, and I was 18, so you got all your temptations and the whole world's being offered to you on a platter, and you're leaving home, and you've got all these options now that you didn't have with my strict parents at home. And, I, and every time I get tempted, I think, I can't backslide. My family's going to hell. If I backslide, well, they'll go to hell. That was a real strong motivator for me. A real strong motivator for me. My family depends on me. I got to follow Jesus. And now many of them, most of them, many of them are saved. And so, and now today, there's the motivation, you know, is of course selfish. I love Jesus. But I look around at the world. I think, dear Lord, they've got to see somebody do this right. They've got to see somebody do this right. They've got to see somebody really love one another the way Jesus commanded us to. They'll know we are believers by our love one for another and not cast stones and not accuse and not get offended and, and even when we're confused and don't understand, love, walk in the spirit, follow Jesus, keep us in a safe place, but each one of us here from the shepherd and let him lead us. Let's do this right. Can we do this right? Let's do this right. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for this word. Thank you for being our shepherd. And I just ask in the name of Jesus that you open our eyes, give us vision, split the natural from the spiritual, to remember that our source is in that place of the spirit, and you have words of life for us. And you are our shepherd. And, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that even this week we would hear the voice of the shepherd like we have never heard it before clarity clearly clarity 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 and vision clarity in the voice in the midst of all the voices in the world and in our souls and in our emotions clarity that your sheep know your your voice and a stranger they shall not follow in jesus name and everybody said hey, a little bit more intense than i thought it was going to be you have any Good. Um, what do we, we usually want to take a five-minute break? We're going to take a five-minute potty break, and then I'll meet in here, and we're going to have a family meeting. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah! Amen. Yeah.